Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to our Good Friday Thanksgiving communion and, and healing service, and we're so glad that you can be with us. Um, tonight, we have uh, a few people who are going to share some testimonies about what God has done for them, and, and before they come up, I'd just like to read a couple scriptures, and Dito's going to be our first person tonight, and Dito, you can make your way up here. As we remember what our Jesus did for us many years ago, Luke chapter 23, Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, you brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion, and I've examined him in your presence, and I've found no basis for your charges against him, neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. So the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. They kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So for the third time, he spoke to them, why, what crime has this man committed? I I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I, I I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and they surrendered Jesus to their will. Romans 12 Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, I had to read that because this afternoon, I'm, I'm coming up here to testify and to say some things that, honestly, the past few days I've been, the enemy's been attacking hard feel like what I'm about to say is something that he doesn't want me to say it. And I even feel that a lot of people may not be ready to hear this either. Um, But this is what he's telling me to say. And this is what, um, this is what I know since, um, since I've declared and, 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 and given my life to Jesus past two years have been the hardest, the hardest years of my life. Um, I've battled with something that a lot of people don't understand, and I've come to understand. It's something called PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. It, it is something that two years ago, I couldn't even stand in front of somebody and say this. But because God is so real in my life and so he has clearly told me and, and, sh- and even these past few years shared with me and that he's, he's been there with me and that he will allow sickness and that, that I needed to accept that. There's three things I, I just felt the Lord was giving me. I had to write them on my hand. This what I'm going to go off of. Is <laughs> One of them is Timing. God's timing is perfect. When I began experiencing some things that honestly debilitated me, 
Um, I was chasing after, honestly, I was chasing after my own dreams. I was chasing after some things that, that honestly made sense to me. And I believe what God was doing, he was killing those dreams. And he was, he was in his perfect timing, allowing me to go through something that debilitated me. Um, the second thing I wrote down is positioning. I believe in God's timing, while he was allowing certain things to go on, he was positioning me in, in something that I, I, I honestly, I couldn't have orchestrated it. Um, the, the way that he's placed me and the favor he's given me in circles right now where there's men that are, I think the statistic is 22 guys a day are committing suicide. These are our veterans. These are our guys. These are the guys that our leadership um, sent into the battlefield. Um, the guys that were willing to, to serve. All kind of different circumstances, but bottom line, they signed that dotted line and they went to a place that's horrible. You know, war is a horrible place. And I know some people in this room can understand that. Some people have, have lived through that um, for years. You know, some people here come from countries and places where they understand what I'm saying. But God's positioning and the way he placed me in a place where, honestly, he crushed me. He, he made me realize that I, I, I wasn't strong and that through his strength, he could place me in places where now I can share salvation, the hope that I have in my heart with men that honestly wouldn't let your average person even come near them. That wouldn't, men and women, that wouldn't, that wouldn't allow just because they're so broken, just because of the, 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 all the consequences of what happens when a lot of people transition and come back. The divorce rate, the, 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 the drug addiction, the alcoholism, just the depression, the anxiety. These things are so overwhelming that I've been, I've been placed in a place, honestly, I feel like God positioned me to be a missionary. God's provided for me and my family through this whole thing. And the last thing I want to say about that is that is we, were just, we were just singing about it, is eternity. Me and Pastor Rennie, we were talking before, earlier today, and we, we were really kind of like, it, it was just confirmed that I was supposed to say what I'm going to say and what I've been saying, but we, we spoke about that. It's, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what sickness your family or you're dealing with, but I do know that we have the opportunity to carry a cross, to just accept certain things, but to have a different attitude, a missional mind, to know that if God has allowed cancer into your life, if he has allowed certain, certain things that we, we can't even, I mean, if you haven't gone through it, we can't even fathom it. But if he's allowed these things, and you could be that person that sits in a cancer ward, or you could be that person that sits in a, in a hospital with other veterans, and you could be the one that sits in the room and worships him through the storm, and says and understands it's, it's about this body will decay. This is going to go. All of us. 
but is willing to lay down their lives and say, you know what? I'll accept this. You know, just like, just like our, our, our example in Christ, he, he didn't want to do it, but he accepted it. He took that cup. And so I say that today with, with just the acknowledgement that, that God is still healing me. I, he's in, I'm in the process of healing. Um, and honestly, I, I, wouldn't ra- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than where I am right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have, um, I mean, so many things that I feel that I chased for a long time. Even as a Christian, you know, even as a Christian, we walk around and we think we're good. We think we got it. But God humbles us and makes us realize that if it's not through his strength, we're all going to go through something. And if we don't rely on his strength and his touch and his perfect timing and him positioning us to lead, honestly, spiritually dead people into salvation. And I praise God right now through the storms. I praise God that the enemy is, is hitting me and is trying to hit me hard because I know that the things that God has for, for us, the things that God has for his people are great. We just, I, I believe and I trust that God wants to heal people today. But I also believe and trust that, that God also wants to take people who are willing to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And I'm willing to walk and I'm willing to go wherever you call me to go, to the death. And so I praise God and I thank him for, today I testify that God is great and God is amazing and he's doing great things in my life. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, and they said, He saved others. Let him save himself. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. And they offered him wine vinegar, and they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we have done. But this man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus turned to him, to him and said, truly I tell you today, You will be with me in paradise. Good evening. My name is Millie. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, they talk about a joy that cannot be described. Well, I believe I'm experiencing that joy. I can't describe it, but I can tell you about a few things that led up to it. In 1976, I was suffering from severe depression. And during that terribly dark time, I heard a promise from Psalm 147, 3. 
He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I knew it was for me. It sounded impossible, but I clung to it. I had had a broken heart my whole life. Molestation by a family member began very, very early in my life and continued until I reached puberty. I grew up with much fear, confusion, shame, and a lot of self-hatred. But since that 1976 promise that I heard, God has been healing my heart through many, many different uh, years and many different means, through counseling, through therapy, through hospitalization, and through ministry. But much healing has come about when he, in his kindness, brought me to repentance. I had to repent of my unforgiveness and my desire to get revenge on that family member and others along the way who had mistreated me, rejected me, and abandoned me. Unforgiveness is the greatest block to healing. Unforgiveness locks you up in your own prison and then torments you continually until you repent and turn from the sin of unforgiveness. Vengeance belongs only to God, not us. Recently, the Lord has accelerated his healing of my heart. And a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, he delivered me from my self-hatred. Now at last, I'm free to be me, just as I am. I don't have to be try to be perfect. I don't have to be try to be like someone else. I just have to be me. And there is such freedom I never dreamt I'd ever experience. Finally, I would like to encourage anyone here who's harboring unforgiveness in their heart, no matter how old the offense is, if the person's dead or not. I urge you to go before the Lord, admit the unforgiveness to him, and he will help you. You can't do it on your own. It's humanly, I think, impossible to forgive some grievous things that have happened to people. But he will enable you to forgive, and he will enable you to have the freedom that now I'm enjoying. My favorite verse is Philippians 1, 6. And it says, I'm convinced of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the very moment you see Jesus face to face.
And it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. And yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And he was pierced for our rebellion and he was crushed for our sins. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. But by his stripes, we are healed. Good evening. We've been waiting for this opportunity. For the opportunity to share. To share miracles that the Lord can do in people's lives. The miracle that the Lord has done in our lives. And I can imagine a better time to share than today, than on a good Friday. Before I give this to my wife, I just want to echo something that Dido has just said. Your life, your perfect life, can be turned on its head in an instant like this. Just like that. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how brave you are. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, or purple your life can be turned around like this. And there comes that time when you need God. When you realize that you cannot stand on your own, that there is nothing that you can do on your own, and that without God you are finished. We're going to share an ordeal that started in what was supposed to be a perfect setting, vacationing with a family up in Canada, having a great time, no care in the world. And then in an instant, all of that were turned around. I'll let my wife speak for a second, and then I'm going to come back and I'll tell you where this situation has brought us and what is done to our relationship with God. Good evening, everybody. Um, Just like my husband said, um, I am happy to be here. Um, We serve an awesome God. If you're in doubt, always remember my story. Um, Just like he said, um, we were up in Canada Five years ago, September 2000, um, for my niece's wedding. And um, just like in an instant, I felt a lump on my right breast. And I could, I, I knew it wasn't there the previous day. It just surfaced. And 
okay. Well, I, I told my husband, hey, this is just what just happened. And um, we are like, okay. We prayed and we enjoyed ourselves at the wedding. And we came back and I had to go see, um, uh, do a mammogram. At that time, I wasn't even um, the age. I have never done mammogram before. So I went in and uh, after... The first one, they called me back. When they called me back, I knew there was a problem. So um, I went back and they did biopsy. And uh, the doctor told me, um, do you have family here? I said, of course I do. I have family. He said, you might want to start gathering them. It's not looking good. And I said, how bad is it? He said, um, you have cancer. I go, okay. And um, he said, um, um, can you, where is your heart? Are you married? Where is, where is your family? Are you, where are you from? Were you, of course, I have, with my accent, he knew. I wasn't born here. I said, no, I have family. I'm going to call my husband. So I called him. I said, hey, this is what is going on. Um, the doctor just told me I'm going to die of cancer. You know, he, of course, he's like, forget, forget him. I'm coming right there. I said, no, don't worry. I'll be able to drive home. So um, I sat in the parking, I sat in my car in the parking lot. My whole life flashed in front of me. I said, my children would grow up without their mother. You know? Okay. I sat there. I couldn't pray. I wish I could tell you that I went into prayer right away, but I couldn't pray. I managed to drive home. We got home and uh, we... we um, talked and talked and started, started praying. And um, after everything, we, um, we went back and uh, they started, um, we, they referred us to Mass General Hospital. And that is where the treatment began. So I, I had a surgery. And um, I am here to testify that um, God has been with me all through this whole ordeal. I didn't have to do any other treatment, just the, uh, no radiation, nothing, no chemo, nothing. It was still um, contained in the lump. So we, uh, we went through that, and uh, I got healed and went about my life. And uh, three years later, um, this, um, around the same time, the same thing happened again in my other breast. The whole ordeal started again. At that time, I became stronger. You know, it, it, it brought me to where um, another level in my Christian life. And I didn't believe anything they were telling me. You know, again, they started by telling me that um, it is serious. 
you have cancer again. And you know, this, the whole story, I was strong. I became very strong. I, uh, I told them, okay, what are we going to do again? So um, they told me we're going to go through um, um, surgery again. So we went, we did surgery, and this was uh, 2013, and all through 2014, we, um, we, uh, um, the treatment um, continued, and uh, I am happy to testify before you and to tell you that um, I am well, and everything happened. <laughs> Every, I believe everything happened as planned. You know, I just want to use this opportunity to um, thank, thank Pastor Sawe and uh, Pastor Rennie Smitha, all of them, Pastor Beth, the deacon. Pastor Selwyn was there. The whole time. He was waiting for me to be done with surgery the whole time. I remember waking up and uh, telling me I didn't know what I could have done if Pastor wasn't here. We went to Israel and uh, we had communion at the tomb and um, Pastor Rennie and Smith, they lifted me before Lord. And I go, which better place to come and beg God, you know, to thank God. It happened there. We stopped everything we were doing and we went into prayer there. They were with me and lifted me up to God. So here's the good part. <laughs> when you hear about praying without ceasing, there are so many that do not understand what that means. I did not understand what that means. But when you've been placed in a situation, when the person that you love more than life itself is threatened like this, you come to understand what it means to pray without ceasing. I remember praying, and I can tell you exactly where I was when the Lord spoke to me. Because I had gotten to the point where I would pray in the shower, I would pray while I'm having breakfast, I would pray at work, I would pray every second of every day. And then it came to a point where the Lord gave me an assurance that all was going to be well. And I remember sharing with her and sharing with Pastor Selwyn in the heat of the morning and I said, I know what the Lord has said to me. And I know that this is going to be over and all is going to be well. Even when the enemy 
came back and tried to put some doubts in my heart. To say to me, are you sure that you really heard from God on this? Because the assurance was so definite. It was so definite. And the enemy tried to say, are you sure you're not deluding yourself? You're not in denial that God really spoke to you. The Lord gave me the strength to say back to the enemy, get you behind me because I know the Lord that I serve. And through this process, through this ordeal, I saw my wife grow. I saw her transform before my very eyes to become, I did, not, I did not realize it was possible for her to be more godly than she was when I married her. I saw her transformed to become the perfect godly wife that God had intended her to be. I am so grateful, but I just so want, want to share with you that there will come that time in your life when you know you need God. And if you don't have God, I just, I don't know what you could be able to do. Because it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how big or brave you are. You can't stand on your own. You cannot. You can't stand without God. So I want to thank God and I want to thank all the people who prayed for us and all of you. Be encouraged that we have a living God. And he will see us through whatever he allows through our lives. He will not give you a burden that you cannot carry. And that is my message this evening. Thank you.
Jesus had uh, spent so much time up in Galilee, and he eventually makes his way to Jerusalem before that Friday afternoon. And there happened to be a lot of people who were in need of physical healing and quite a number of people there who were blind. Tonight I want to read to you Jesus' last miracle before his crucifixion in Luke chapter 18. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside and he was begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your, your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they were also praising God. You know, generally someone who was blind was never healed. In fact, they were never even cared for. And so they were set as the outcasts of society. And so this blind man was left to the streets begging. And he's just sitting there waiting for something to happen. Maybe someone will throw him some money. Maybe somebody's going to throw him some bread. And this is what it was like to be blind during that time. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out to him and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, initially the crowd refers to the earthly heritage of Jesus, and they tell him this person from Nazareth is coming by. But this statement doesn't say who this Jesus is. But instead of calling Jesus as the guy from Nazareth, when the blind man calls out to Jesus, he uses this messianic language. Somehow this blind man sees that this Jesus is the Son of God. And somehow he's the one who realizes and and this blind man sees that Jesus is the one who the Old Testament has been pointing to as the Savior of the world. And while the crowd doesn't recognize this, the blind man can see that this Jesus is more than some man from a small town. And this blind man can see that this Jesus is the Son of God, and this must be the Jesus who was sent from heaven to be the Savior of the world. And so when the blind man called out for the Son of God to have mercy on him, he believes that this Jesus is the Messiah, and he believes that this Jesus could heal his blindness and change his condition and change the path of his life. The blind man knew who Jesus was, and he knew what Jesus could do for him. And so I want to ask you tonight, do you know who this Jesus is? And do you realize and do you know what this Jesus can do for you? I mean, if he was able to restore sight to the blind, then surely he can give you strength in your weakness. 
If he was able to restore sight to the blind, then surely he can give you joy to overcome your depression. And if he can restore sight to the blind, then surely he can reconcile your marriage. And if he can give sight to the blind, then surely he can heal your cancer. And what is so impressive about this man is that this blind man did more than just believe. He begins to act in boldness. In the first part of verse 39, the, uh, the crowd of people is bothered by the blind man. Those who led the way, they were rebuking him, and they told him to be quiet. And the second part of 39, I love this, and he shouts all the more, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. This blind man is bold. And he's courageous. And he decides that he's not going to listen to the crowd and began to shout even louder still. And he breaks all of the cultural rules of etiquette. He wasn't going to let Jesus get away from him because this was his chance to receive his healing. What about you? How how bold are you? Do you? Do you make bold prayers to the Lord? Hebrews chapter 4 says, come boldly into the throne of grace that we might have mercy and find grace to help us, to help us in our time of need. And so I want to encourage you tonight, don't hold back and don't be afraid to give yourself totally and completely to Jesus. Come to him boldly and come to him with confidence. And because this blind man acted in boldness, verse 40 says that Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And now this blind man, he's face to face with the Messiah. And Jesus asks him a really simple question, and it's an interesting question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, isn't it obvious what this blind man Needed. Jesus knew the blind man's condition. He knew that he was poor. He knew that he couldn't see. But in the end, Jesus wanted the blind man to verbalize what it was that he wanted. And the blind man could have said, I want a house. I need a new donkey. He could have said, I need gold. I want some riches and luxuries. And the blind man looks towards Jesus and he says, Lord, I want to see. Tonight, what do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you need Jesus to do for you? Have you ever put the cry of your heart into words? Or do you just make generalized requests to him, requests to him God touch me, God bless me, God provide for me? You know, tonight there are so many who are hurting and who are experiencing great pains in their lives. And I want to tell you that the Lord is here tonight. I mean, he is here, and he is in this place. And he's asking you this simple question, what do you want me to do for you? For some of you, you need cancer to shrink and shrivel up and go away. Some of you here today, you have very specific illnesses where you need to be completely healed. Be specific in your request to him. Come to him in boldness and in confidence. 
Maybe tonight your heart aches because of some sort of abuse and you need your heart to be healed tonight. Maybe you have this addiction and you're, you've tried everything but Jesus and I want to encourage you to call on him tonight. Some people are here and you're dealing with some heavy depression and anxiety and you're having thoughts that maybe you've never had before and maybe some of you are, are some of your thoughts are going into some dangerous places. What do you need the Lord to do for you tonight? Tonight Jesus is waiting for you to show some boldness, to come to him in confidence and tell him what you need. And in your request, believe that if this same Jesus could heal this blind man, and if this same Jesus could raise himself from the dead, then surely he has the the ability to meet you where you're at tonight. Let him know what you need. Let him know about your problems. Talk to him about your condition. Talk to him about your situation. That's what he's waiting for. And if you can do that, he will reward you with mercy and with grace and with peace and with strength. And he will begin to teach you patience and bring you closer to him in your time of need. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus and he began praising God. And when all of the people saw it, they too began to praise God. And this would be Jesus' last miracle before his death. And even after his great teachings and even after all of these amazing miracles, even after this incredible miracle, he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. And we turned our backs on him and looked the other way, and he was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And he was pierced for our rebellion, and he was crushed for our sins, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him And by his stripes, we are healed. Tonight, I'm going to ask our deacons and and Pastor Steve, if you guys would come and and help us as we prepare our hearts for communion this evening. You don't have to be a member of Glad Tidings Church, but... You do need to be a part of the family of God by asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and surrender total control to him. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Let's just take a few minutes right now with our eyes closed and our heads bowed. Let's be still in the presence of God and let's examine ourselves. Let's speak to him about any unconfessed sins. Let's repent of our ways, begin to accept his forgiveness. Let's be still before the Lord.
never knew death could be so sweet. I never knew surrender could feel so free. I've never seen such beauty and majesty. That the blood of Jesus was bled for me. Now I sing freedom for all of my days. It's only by the power of the cross I'm raised. The King of glory rescued me. How beautiful the blood flowed. How merciful the love shown. The King of glory poured out. Victorious are we now. Never knew these nails would love unfold. I never knew these wounds would heal my soul. I've never seen such beauty and sorrow me. But the blood of Jesus was bled for me. Now I sing freedom for all of my days it's only by the power of the cross i'm raised the king of glory rescued me how beautiful the blood flowed how merciful the love shown. The King of glory poured out. Victorious are we now. How beautiful the blood flowed. How merciful the love shown. The King of glory poured out. Victorious are we now. I never knew these nails would love unfold. I never knew these wounds would heal my soul. I've never seen such beauty and sorrow meet. But the blood of Jesus was bled for me. Now I sing freedom for all of my days. It's only by the power of the cross I'm raised. The King of glory rescued me. 
how beautiful the blood flows how merciful the love shown the king of glory poured out victorious are we now how beautiful you are how merciful you are how glorious you are Christ our Savior how beautiful you are how merciful you are how glorious you are Christ our Savior how beautiful you are, how merciful you are, how glorious you are, Christ our Savior. Jesus took the bread and he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we boldly come before you with a heart of thanksgiving. Thank you that nothing came in the way of your passion for us. We thank you for the healing and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that came with the stripes on your back and your broken body. And we surrender our lives before you again. Let your will be done in us, we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. In the same manner, he also took the cup. And after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And before we do this, I was thinking about the healing that God wants to bring in our lives. Thinking about the restoration that was testified to all of us. And thank God this had nothing to do with us. It's his unmerited favor, his mercy that's new every day. I can tell you right now, I, it's only by God's grace I stand here today. So let's take this in a new way. And this is the covenant that God has promised you today, tonight. Let's believe, God, for the healings that you heard tonight. You testified they're here. And God wants to bring restoration to the mind, to the body, to the soul, to the loved ones that you don't believe that God can save. Tonight, God is saying something so powerfully to us. So let's drink this believing that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's take this together. Tonight, as we go back into worship, I want you to know that our prayer team is here to pray and believe for your healing. Prayer team, you could stay here at the front.
Some of you are here to be prayed for because of personal illness or some personal issues. Others of you are here on behalf of someone else. We encourage you now just to spend some time praying and worshiping. If you feel led to lay hands on those around you, you can move as the Spirit leads you. But whatever your situation is, don't let anyone and don't let anything stop you tonight from coming up to these altars to receive prayer. It's our encouragement for you tonight.